You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. for us as Christians to make sure that we handle business properly. Our God is insistent when you consider passages in the Old and the New Testament about us doing things decently and in order. Our God is insistent in telling us in the book of Psalm and and the Proverbs the importance of not just having a good name, but keeping a good name. And of course, name has to do with our character. It has to do with our dealings with people. has to do with how we handle important matters a task. God wants us to deal with situations, circumstances, or such in a manner that would be pleasing to him. In a manner that would say basically about us that we know how to take care of business. And that's important because one of the things Jesus was known for at the age of 12 is taking care of business. He was so sincere and so determined to take care of God's business to where it seemingly shocked his mama when he said to her, I must be about my father's business. Twelve years old, I must be about my father's business. And I think as believers, we need to have that same mentality. I have to be a business person. I have to be a person that takes care of things, that does things decently and in order. I don't want to be before people, but my life be all out of whack. I don't want to be known as a jackleg preacher. I don't, want to, I don't want that. I want, I want to be known as a preacher that has been ordained and sanctified by God. Someone that God has set aside and someone that God uses according to his will and according to his word. I believe before I can actually teach people in reference to receiving knowledge and understanding, I first have to have my act together. But I believe likewise, whatever God has called us to do within the body of Christ, we need to be together. And it is very important that we deal with debt properly. One thing as Christians we we don't want to do 
uh, is to neglect our debt. Act like we don't owe nobody. I said act like we don't owe nobody. We don't need to do that as Christians. One writer said, pay that which you owe. In other words, take care of your business. Solomon went so far as to say, look, it's better for you not to even make a vow or say you're going to pay somebody and you ain't going to do it. So it's important whatever we, we put before a person or whatever we obligate ourselves to do, we have to make sure that we take care of it. And as Christians, we have to take care of it according to the will of God. Debt is something serious because debt can actually be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming to the point to where if you're not careful or spiritually, if you're not led by the spirit of truth, you will error. You will start dealing with debt in a manner that's contrary to the will of God. And you don't want that to happen. You, you don't want to be to the point to where you have obligations, but you're trying to deal with those obligations in the flesh. You want to deal with whatever is before you, whether it's debt or something else, according to the will of God. Is that scripture? Proverbs 3 and 5 tells us in part that we are to acknowledge God in all of our ways, and he will direct our path. Go so far as to tell us not to be wise in our own eyes, but to depart from evil. And says if we do so, that it will be healthy for us. In other words, it will cause us to be fruitful. It will cause us to be successful. Now, one way that's not often talked about in dealing with debt is making the right connections. I said making the right connections. It's important if you're going to hook up with somebody uh, that has the capacity to help you that you hook up with the right person. I said that you hook up with the right person. Now, when you consider that as a child of God, you have to recognize that the right person may not be what you um, Believe based upon his or her credentials. The right person may not be the person that you feel has been successful in doing this, that, and the other. Now, why, why do I say that? Because when it comes to God, God is different than man. <laughs> Scripture says that his ways are not as the ways of man. His thoughts are not as the thoughts of man. Isaiah 55 tells us that when it comes to his thoughts and his ways, the difference is as high as the heavens are from the earth. So God is totally different. Then when it comes to being truthful about dealing with debt and dealing with situations, God is not like man. Because Moses said in Numbers 23 and 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Have you ever been lied to by a quote-unquote professional? 
Have you ever been lied to while applying to get a loan, while applying, trying to get you a house, car, or what have you? Have you ever been lied to? So in dealing, in dealing with debt, in making the right connection, I think it's imperative as children of God to seek the face of God, to hear what God has to say, which brings me to the text. The primary character of the text is David. The primary character of the text is David. David's name has a twofold meaning. The first meaning, beloved. Someone that's loved very much. But the second meaning is the meaning that I want you to hold on to tonight. Second meaning is chieftain. A chieftain equates a leader. Someone that is out front. Someone that has been given the ability to lead others. And when it comes to David, David was not a blind leader. Because we don't need to follow no blind leader. Jesus himself said, if the blind lead the blind, everybody going in the ditch. I said, everybody is going in the ditch. I don't care how wonderful you think you are, if you're following somebody that's blind, you're headed for a ditch. You may be a sophisticated sister, but if you're following somebody that's blind, you're headed for a ditch. You may be decked out, you may be sharp from your crown to the sole of your feet, but if you're following somebody that's blind, you're going to fall into a ditch. I don't care if it's my mama, I don't care if it's my friend, I don't care if it's kinfolk, I don't want to follow anybody that's going to lead me into a ditch. I don't want that to happen. If, if I'm going to follow somebody, I want to make sure that I'm following the person that is going to help me be successful. I want to make sure I'm following a person that has the ability to cause that which eyes have not seen and ears have not heard to come into being. I want to follow somebody that's of God. And I know the person is legit, bona fide. And so David was not a blind person. I stated earlier According to 1 Samuel 13 and 14, he was a man after God's own heart. And of course, the heart represents the mind. It represents the choices. It represents the feelings of a person. Jesus talked about how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. David was a man after God's own heart. Does not say that he was flawless. Does not say that he was perfect. But he was, in fact, a person that trusted God. He trusted God so to where when you read Psalm 23, the, David starts off talking about how the Lord is his shepherd. And one of the traits of a genuine sheep is that he or she will follow the shepherd, knows the shepherd's voice to the point to where he or she will not follow a stranger. Now, contextually, David was in a cave called a dulam. 
a cave, a hole in the wall, hole in the ground, a hole in a rock. He was in a place that was not nice, that was not very sanitary. He was in an awkward place, but the reason he was in a dulam at the time is because he had just escaped from someone that was trying to kill him. And so he remembered a dulam, and a dulam means refuge. So he headed for a refuge. Looked for a place of protection. He knew he needed to get somewhere in order for the enemy not to be able to destroy his mission, to destroy his destiny. It's important to know when God has his hand on you that there are times that you'll need to stand and fight, but there are other times when you just need to tuck tail and go. You got to know when to do it. And so he was in a place of refuge, even though it was not his permanent spot. It was just a place that, that he was going to be temporarily. And when David got there, I want you to notice that there is a distinction in the text that separates his family from, from others that came to a do lamb. Basically, when it comes to his family, seemingly his family was just coming down to check on him, see how he was doing. Talks about how his siblings came down and, and they just came down when they heard he was in the cave. They didn't come to stay. <coughs> they just came to see what was taking place. But then, there was another group. That they were going down to this place of refuge, a lamb. To make a connection. They were headed to a dulam to make a connection. And, 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 and the question you have to, have to ask when, when you really consider David in a cave and people wanting to make a connection with him, why in the world would somebody be willing to make a connection with a man who at the time was in a hole. A man that's not doing that well at the time. I mean, you can't be doing that great if you're hiding out in a hole. 
I don't care what you say. If, if, if you hiding out somewhere that says about you to a degree that you're not doing that, that well. Well, well, is uh, Pastor Walker, he in a hole in Hewlett. <laughs> what he doing in a hole in Hewlett? He hiding out of a hole in Hewlett. But the folks wanted to connect with David, but what was the reason? Now, I can give you a list of reasons why they wanted to connect with David. But I'm only going to give you one. And before I give you the one, I think it's important for you to understand that, that the people had insight. They looked beyond David being in the hole. They looked beyond that. They knew that, yeah, we're going we're gonna to connect with him. And we, we're going to connect with him not because he's in the hole, but he's going to come out of the hole. Because they recognized that David as a leader had a trait that every good leader needs. Look at someone and say, there is one trait that every good leader needs. And David possessed it. What trait is that? Being an overcomer. You, if you're going to be a good leader, you have to be an overcomer. Yeah, I, I see you lean and you ain't been through no trouble. You ain't had no hard times. You ain't never been beat down. That don't impress me, period. I want somebody that's going to lead me that I've been through some trouble. I want somebody... That's gonna lead me that I that, that I had their hands nailed to the cross. That I've been put on a whipping pole and somebody just unread back and gave them 39 stripes. I want somebody that understands what it is to suffer. I want somebody that understands what it is to go through hard times, what it what it is to be without a dime in their pocket. A real leader has to be tested. That's the reason when you consider scripture, you, you'll notice that the people that were great leaders in the Bible, they were tested to a degree. Look at how God tested Abraham. Look at how he allowed Job to face the devil. Look at how Daniel was cast into a lion's den. Look at how the three Hebrew boys were cast into a fiery furnace. Look at how Jesus was led up the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Look at how Paul and Silas was cast into a jail and was shackled down, but they yet gave God the praise. They yet gave God the glory. They yet gave God the honor. Say to somebody, a real leader has to be tested. Got to go through something. A real leader has to be tested and has to prove that he or she is an overcomer. Has to prove that he or she is an overcomer. I, I, I got to read a passage now. 
about David the overcomer. Consider 1 Samuel the 17th chapter. I just want to read a little of it. 1 Samuel 17th chapter. We'll start at verse 34. Let me just give you, give you a setting of what was taking place. Give you the background of what was taking place. A giant man known for killing folk had showed up in the camp of Israel. A man that was undefeated reigning as champion stepped forward said to King Saul and the rest of the Israelites and keep in mind Israel means those who will rule as God in other words they should have been operating at the time in divine authority and power Goliath stood forth and said, send me a man that will fight with me. Send me somebody on your behalf and, and whoever wins, that's who gets the spoil. Goliath put forth the challenge, but nobody would step forward. Not even King Saul would step forward. David was too young, naturally speaking, to join the army, but, but his father had sent him to check on his siblings. Showed up at the battle, and when he got to the battle, nobody was fighting. But he did recognize out in front was a giant man that, that was talking about the children of God. And how many know the enemy will talk about God's children? The enemy will talk about you. The enemy will talk about your testimony and say you just talking a lot of words. And so David asked the question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this ungodly giant that's defying the armies of Israel. And so finally, Psalm began to tell David who Goliath was. Told him he was a champion. Told him he was undefeated. Told him he could do this, that, and the other. Told him he had certain type weapons and so forth. And so David boldly said in front of his older siblings as well as some of the soldiers I'll go down and fight and so somebody when they heard him say it said well we're we going to take him to Saul says he's willing to fight and so David went before Saul and said the same thing to Saul that he had spoke amongst the others and Saul looked at him and said you're, you're not able to, to fight that man down now you ain't nothing but a boy you can't fight him. You, you're a boy. You are a boy. There's no way you can defeat him. But how many know when you're a child of God, 
Sight is not what you live by. You might be attacked by fear, but you do not allow fear to control you. And so when he got before Saul, this is David's testimony. And I want you to notice as I read it, how it speaks volumes about him being an overcomer. 1 Samuel 17 and 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them. The reason? Because he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now Saul was being religious when he said and the Lord be with you. Saul just wanted somebody to go because when, when push came to shove if, if nobody would have went, Saul would have had to go as the king. So he was glad to send somebody even if he was sending them to their death. But the bottom line, David defeated the Philistine. He defeated the Philistine because he was an overcomer. I want you to understand what an overcomer is. When it comes to David as well as when it comes to us as children of God. You ready? The first thing. An overcomer is someone that rises above the storms of life. I say you rise above the storms of life. Jesus said in this life you're going to have temptation. In this life you're going to have trouble. In this life, you're going to have sickness. In this life, you're going to be attacked mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, and so forth. In this life, you're going to go through some hard times. Jesus himself, though he were the son of God, went through hard times. Had to tell his disciples on, on many occasions to be of good cheer. And the reason, because he had overcame the world. The Hebrew writers so knew about the struggle that Jesus faced on earth to where he penned. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience through the things that he suffered. You have to go through things in this life, but you have to rise above the storms of life. What does it mean to rise above the storms of life? of life. 
You, you've got to have such determination to where you know that, that whatever has you almost pinned to the three count is not going to be able to succeed, is not going to be able to triumph over you, that you're going to come out of the predicament that you're in. As a child of God, you have to have a strong mind. You have to have a strong will. You have to, according to Philippians 2 and 5, have the mind of Christ. And in order to have a mind that's, that says that you're going to do what does says God, you have to transform it. Romans 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove or know what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. You have to have the mentality to know that if you just do what does save God, you're going to rise above the storm. You have to know what David knew who had that, that type mind. He said that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Say to somebody, God is going to show up for you. It's not always going to be hard times. It's not always going to be a struggle. If you just keep your mind stayed upon him, things will get better. I said things will get better. They'll get better and better and better and better and better. But see, an overcomer is also a person that understands that one of the most important ingredients to get a victory is faith. 1 John 5 and 4 says the victory that overcomes the world, the trials of life, is even our faith. So if I'm going to overcome things by faith, what do I need to receive in reference to faith? Well, the first thing I need to understand is that faith is connected to hope. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If, if, if I'm hoping, it says that I have faith. And according to Romans 8, 24 and 25, in part, hope causes you to be saved or delivered. You have to hope until change takes place. But faith is also something that causes us to do things. Because James said, faith without works is dead being alone. If I truly have faith, I'm going to put into action what God has told me to put into action. If I'm going through, through it financially, if I am in debt, I'm going to put my faith to work by giving. Because giving is my way out of financial debt. Luke 6 and 38 tells us that if we give, it will be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. One writer talked about what Jesus said. When Jesus, when Jesus spoke, it is more blessed to give than receive. Why is it more blessed to give than receive? Because according to the system of God, you reap what you sow. And you not only reap what you sow, God actually puts his sovereignty, he puts his authority, he puts his miraculous power with your giving. So not only do you reap what you sow, you reap much more. That's the reason Jesus himself was the one that said in Luke 6 and 38, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. 
If I'm going to come out of financial debt, one of the things that I have to do is become a giver. I have to first of all give God his money. What is God's money? According to Malachi 3 and 8, the tithe and an offering that belongs to God. God told Israel, you have robbed me and you curse with a curse. Then he, he gave them instruction, bring all of the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse that there will be meat in my house and prove me now. And if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, you will not have room enough to receive but he didn't stop there he said and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and all nations all type of people will look at your life and they will deem you blessed and so I have to be to the point to where I live by faith I live by faith. I live by God's word because according to Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But if I'm going to hear the word of God, I don't need to hear it from a jack leg. I don't need to hear it from a wannabe preacher. I don't need to hear it from somebody that has not been blood washed. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says in part, how shall they heal without a preacher. You have to have somebody that has been chosen by God. You have to hear a message from somebody that knows what they're talking about. You have a whole lot of folks talking out of the Bible, but they're talking based upon the ladder, and you can tell it's based upon the ladder because you don't feel no power when it's coming forth. You don't, you don't recognize or discern authority when it's coming forth but when a person is preaching under the anointing of the spirit of God you can't help but feel the power flowing you can't help but feel God in the message you can't help but feel the anointing all around you am I talking truth you have to live by faith if you are an overcomer you have to live by faith because you're going to face some things that if you allow your eyes to talk to you, you will tuck tail and run. Second Corinthians 5 and 7 says about a person that lives by faith that he or she is not to walk by sight. One of the reasons we don't walk by sight is according to 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, which says what we see is temporary. It's not going to last. Look at what you did on yesterday. That's past. Didn't last. I don't care how good that hamburger was, it didn't last. I don't care how good that pork chop sandwich was, it did not last. I don't care how good of a vacation you had, it did not last. The things that you see, the things that you experience are temporary. They do not last. And so the people that wanted to connect with David had the understanding that though he is in a hole, though he is battling something right now, that man has what I need. So no, I'm not just coming down to a doolum just, just to see what's going on. I'm not coming to a doolum just to be nosy. I'm coming down here to connect with you, David. Your mama may go back home, David. Your daddy may go back home, but I ain't going nowhere because I recognize in you is what I need. 
And every child of God needs to recognize that. You need to recognize in your shepherd is something that you need. You need to recognize what your shepherd has is something that if you connect with it, it will start to flow in your life. It will flow from him into you. Paul said it. Paul told the church that you need to imitate me. Just follow me as I follow Christ. And what you see happening to me, it will happen to you. That's the reason David talked about the blessing that flowed from the priest's head or Aaron's head down. He talked about how it was connected. And if you recognize what's in your pastor, if you recognize what's in him or her that you need and you connect the right way, the same thing that he has, you will receive. They recognized David was an overcomer. Get this. And so they stayed at a doulum. All 400 couldn't get in the cave. Some of them probably were outside. May have rained. Wild animals may have came around trying to get them to leave. But they came to be connected. That's the reason when God when God connects you with your pastor, you don't care who leave. You'll tell them I'm connected. You'll be like Peter. Jesus, Jesus seen a whole lot of folks leave and, and then he looked at his disciples. He said, y'all going too? Peter hurried up and spoke up. Oh, oh no, Lord. We, we ain't going nowhere. You, you know why we ain't going nowhere, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. See, Peter knew that it was the word that he needed from Jesus. I wonder if you know what you need from your pastor. I wonder if you know what you need from your shepherd and you know it to the point to where you ain't going to break the connection. You ain't going to sever the relationship. You're going to hang on in no matter what you go through. If I'm talking about you, I'll find three folks and tell them I'm just going to stay connected to my shepherd do what you want to do but I'm going to stay connected to my shepherd say what you want to say but I'm going to stay connected to my shepherd I ain't going nowhere he may not be kin to me he may not be able to say it the way somebody else says it he may not be as popular as somebody else but I know I'm supposed to be connected to him and I ain't going nowhere But see, they recognized the overcomer in him. And see, they had to recognize that he was an overcomer because of the state that they were in. Notice the ones that wanted to, to connect. The first group were in distress. Understand what distress means. It denotes to be in need of immediate assistance. I'm down here because I need some help. I know David understand what it is to need some support. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down here because I know he know. But then 
there were those that were discontented. Understand what it is to be discontented. It means to be unhappy, unsatisfied with your present state, and you have a hunger for better. You're unsatisfied and you have a hunger for better. It, it's some of you, you're, you're doing well, but, but you know God has more for you. Things are going nicely in your life, but, but, but it's still something down on the inside of you that, that's saying God got some more from me. God got something from me that my eyes have not seen. God, God got something from me that my, my ears have not heard. I'm talking to somebody right now. You ought to just go ahead and just whisper to somebody he's talking about me. I'm not satisfied. I'm looking for something better. I'm looking for something deeper. I'm looking for something that God told me in the midnight hour was mine. I'm looking for what God showed me to come into manifestation. I'm looking for what God showed me to come into being because I know if God said it, he'll do it. I know God didn't show me it just to be showing me it. But there were those there that were in debt. David was in debt. But David actually got his entire family out of debt through his skill as a warrior. One fight got him completely out of debt was willing to do all that he needed to do, was willing to risk his life. But he knew if I, if I, if I do this, daddy gonna be out of debt. My, my siblings gonna be out of debt. And I'm gonna be out of debt. So they were down there knowing that David had overcome death, had overcome distress had overcome being discontent. And so they wanted to connect with him. They knew it was the right connection. You know, one thing I'm thankful about is, is, is that I have learned who to and who not to connect with. have also learned the importance of being connected. There are some folks that hadn't learned it yet. They think they can, they, they can make it by themselves. Not recognizing that, that there will come a time to where they're going to need somebody. Not recognizing the value of hooking up with the right person. Three passages that I want to give you that speak with, that speak about the reason you need to be connected to the right person. I've alluded to one already, and it's Psalm 133. 
But in particular, the first verse of Psalm 133, it states how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, Christians, saints, to dwell together in unity. Notice again how good, beneficial, and how pleasant you'll be satisfied. If it's pleasant, it means you're going to be satisfied. But you're connecting with brethren. You're not just connecting with somebody that say they go to church. So what? That ain't new. Every, all kind of folk go to church. But brethren, it's a different in being a brethren than just going to church. Say to your name, I used to go to church when I was a wine on. See, some of y'all got quiet. I got your number. You know I'm talking about you. Some of us, the only reason we went to church because we were made to go to church. Then some of us, when we got in trouble, we just felt the need to go to church. But see, the brethren make it their business to be at God's house. The brethren make it their business to pray. The brethren make it their business to give God his money. The brethren make it their business to follow the pastor as the pastor follows God. That's who you need to hook up with. And that's what you need to understand according to Psalm 133 and 1, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in, in unity. The second thing, when you connect with the right person, it eradicates division. Jesus himself said in Matthew 12 and 25, a house divided shall not stand. It's not going to stand. It's going to be brought into desolation, a ruin. So if I can't eradicate division, by connecting with the right person. That means the house is not going to be divided. It means the house is not going to fall in to ruin. The final passage is found in Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Well, Solomon said two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And he goes on to say, if one companion falls, the other is there to help him up. But if the companion is not there when he falls, he's going to be by himself. Say to your neighbor, it's good to have a connection. In my clothes. The scripture speaks After David left the cave of Adullam, it speaks about something that, that took place thereafter in reference to the men that had joined him. It says that they became known as, get this, mighty. The ones that were in distress, 
discontented and in debt became known as David's mighty men. If you ain't heard much of anything that I've talked about tonight, I want you to get this. This one definition for mighty, I want you to remember, based upon the text. A mighty person is a person that has been given the capacity by somebody else to go from worse to better. David poured out of himself into people that were distressed, discontented, and in debt. He poured out of himself and literally seen them transformed to the point to where they, they received the capacity to go from being the worst to better. Go from being mediocre to mighty. I'm done. Let's give the Lord a hand to praise. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.